Amen. How's everybody doing today? Doing great? Fantastic? Wonderful? Awesome. Well, <laughs> as we start today, there's going to be a little bit of an imagination that we have to work with, okay? Are you, is that, are you able to do that? It's a new year, a little bit of imagination, okay? No, I'm not going to tie myself up and try to get out of it, okay? That's a good thing. But I want us to imagine that this rope um, goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. It's an existence of your timeline. This is your life. And one of the things that we do when we think about our life is that we, we uh, have a moment in our life that's in this blue area. This blue area represents your life from beginning to end in this blue area. And we think about all the little things that we do when we're, when we're children, we, you know, we're playing and we're, you know, we're not focusing about the end, you know, the end here. As we get older, we're, we're really starting to narrow in what this last little bit is, right? We're, we're thinking about our vacations that we get to go on. We're thinking about our retirement. We're thinking about all the, all the little things that we have to accomplish before the Lord calls us home. This is, this is it. We're just constantly just focusing on this. And sometimes, sometimes you lose, lose sight of what is going on here. Because from this end of this blue all the way to the end forever and ever and ever, is what's going to happen when we die. But yet we focus so much on this blue that we forget what's going to happen for millions and millions and millions of years after we die. Paul says that I'm more concerned about finishing the line, that I'm putting things behind me, forgetting what's in my past and moving forward. And Paul had a purpose in doing that. And we live our life for mission. And we have one chance, one chance on this earth to make an impact in this blue area. We can't, we don't, we don't get any do-overs, but we have one chance. Because when we die, everything that we do here signifies what's going to happen here. And it takes a great responsibility. And there's deception that takes place. And our eyes begin to, to waver. We begin to question what we're doing. But Paul says that I strain forward. I work forward. I, I go beyond that. And that's kind of our illustration today. Is that, is that there's so much that we can do in our life. We, we focus on so many things. But yet God wants us to make sure that the time that we spend on this earth is going to be a reflection of what we do in heaven. Or having the opportunity to be in heaven. And so Philippians chapter 3 verse 12. It says not that I have already obtained all of this. Or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold. For which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on towards the goal. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward to Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the opportunities that we have today. And to be able to look at how we need to be able to press forward in the things that we do. And we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Paul is an amazing follower of Jesus that we read about in scriptures, and, he, and he's an incredible example of what it means to have a fierce focus on the things that matter most. Paul was writing to his friends in Philippi from prison to, to express his appreciation, his thankfulness, and his affection to the believers there. And he, he knew, he knew in, the, in, the, uh, in Philippians that true joy comes only through humble faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ. And the, even though his current situation was, was difficult, and his current situation was, was a struggle, it did not dictate the joy that he had. And how many of us this morning are excited to know that when we have Jesus in our life, even though we go through difficult circumstances, that we can still have joy? Amen? This is Paul. But he's writing this letter to the people, and he said, hey, let's, let's rewind. Let's rewind some of the things God has done in his faithfulness, and let us refocus our attention on the things that matter most. And so the title of our message this morning is to press forward. A life cycle of our church goes from a movement to a machine to a monument. A movement to a machine to a monument. That is our life cycle of a church. Our goal here at Central is that we never become that life cycle. A movement is a steep upward trajectory, continually moving, continually having an impact, continually maintaining the mission and the goal of reaching those with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But a movement can become a, a machine. A machine is, is a tradition. A machine is saying that this, now, half of you decided, like, uh, I'm upset because we have four chairs up there and not three people standing and singing. Tradition. You walk in and you saw three beautiful, awesome tables for our cafe. And you're like, nope. I like, I like the, the red rugs, the red blankets, the red cover, you know, whatever. Table coverings, thank you. That's a machine. And even though a machine can have momentum, it's mechanical, it's rigid, it's afraid of change. And we've had a lot of awesome days behind us. And the main reason that we talk about our past is so that we can understand our future. We talk about our past so that we can understand our future and what lies ahead. A church that only looks in the past becomes a monument. It becomes a dying church because they are only looking in the past. But a church that looks to the future is called a movement. And so point number one in your handout, in a movement, mo, mo, uh, mo, in a movement momentum is contagious. And it provides us with an unwavering focus on the things that, most ma that matter most in God's eyes. Momentum is contagious. 
Our worship is contagious. As we, as we think about the things that are most important in God's eyes, and the, and the list is exhaustive, but our worship is contagious. You see, this morning we, we had more of a subtle worship. But yet the presence of God falls on this place to where we can worship Him. You may worship him driving to work at 6 o'clock in the morning, listening to some Spotify worship, hill song, whatever it may be, maybe essential songs, whatever, and you enter into the presence of God. Because our worship can be contagious. And it's because of the things that you do in worship that begins to impact the things that you do in your life. That worship that's contagious, that, that implementation of, 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 of love and and, and worship of our Heavenly Father and how awesome that is makes an impact in those that you're around, those that you socially interact because you've had a moment with our Heavenly Father. Our church community can be contagious. Each of you in this room this morning are, are, are able to build a network of community that, that is exciting. That when you can go someplace and you see each other and you can high five and, and fist bump and do all the things that you do and, and share the love of God. And that's awesome. But then there's that, that part of the community where you're like, hey, let's, let's pray for that individual. Or maybe you'd be the person that, that takes your coat off and gives it to somebody in need without anything in return. Because you believe that our community of our church is based off of the love of Jesus. And you'll do whatever it takes to make a difference in someone's life. Our desire for holiness can be contagious. Desiring to, to separate ourselves from the world and do the things that God is impressing on you. And some of those things will be similar for each of us. And some of those things will be different. But it's contagious. Our momentum is contagious. And this momentum can lead us into an unwavering focus in our faith. Unwavering. Unwavering in our prayer life. Unwavering in our knowledge of God. Unwavering in our discipleship. We, are, we will have an unwavering focus as we begin to focus on the things that God says is important. We've always talked about in the sports realm, we've always talked about, hey, he's on a roll. He's on a hot streak. He's got a hot hand. And those are sports metaphors of saying that, hey, when, you're, when there's momentum that's going on in your life, there, there's, there's energy. When I'm able to share Jesus Christ with someone and they accept the Lord, and I tell Jay the next day, yeah, Jason, I, I led someone to the Lord. No, it's like I'm excited. Man, can you believe that? I, got, I had the opportunity to pray for somebody. I, man, it was awesome. And what is the person I'm talking to? What do they do? Oh, that's cool. No, they're excited and it challenges them. And that's what it's about being contagious. It's about momentum is contagious. And so Paul launches into Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, and he says, not that I have already obtained all of this, 
or have already arrived at my goal. And so when we pause for a minute, we look at that. Instead of claiming to be perfect now, Paul continues to pursue becoming more like Christ. A Christ-like life is not a moment to achieve, but a goal to pursue. A Christ-like life is not a moment to achieve, but a goal to pursue. We need to pursue a Christ-like life, not reach a goal. I've made it. I've done it. Okay, now I can sit back. And I will attest to the fact that I'm getting to that place a little bit older where I do look at the end of that blue mark and say these are the goals that I have that I want to attain. And yet at the same time we have to be focused on understanding that even if I do retire that God hasn't changed the purpose that he's called me to do and that is to be a difference, to make a difference, to continue to live a godly life. And even if we change careers, or even if we change positions, or even if we do something different, the, our walk with the Lord, that's contagious because the momentum is still about pursuing Him. Paul knows he would never be perfect in this world, but instead he made it his ambition to become increasingly like Christ Jesus, or to be Christ-like in his life. And so how do you handle the pursuit? of success in your life? What is your behavior as you go through those transitions like Paul? And how do you respond when you don't know which way to turn? Where is your source? Where is your momentum? When I think of Paul, author of 13 books in the New Testament, a church planner, sharing the gospel, Doing all those things, and yet he says, I want to know the ins and outs of Christ. I want to know the ups and downs of Jesus. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And again, we look at what Paul has overcome. His, achieve, his achievements. But he turned and said, I haven't yet. I haven't yet arrived. I love Paul's mentality. I love his humility as he pursues his relationship with God. And if we look back at this year of Central Church, just to, to brag real quickly on God, and to, and to brag real quickly on, on each of you, and how awesome that is, because God has worked through you guys to do incredible things. He has worked through you guys to see lives changed through our outreach ministries lives have been changed through our Awana and 712 ministries lives have been changed and give a quick shout out to the Awana program because you never know what you might need well that rope digging through the Awana closet found a rope so we want to appreciate and applaud all the Awana workers that put things that I can find so appreciate that lives have been changed through our our, our ministries, through our men's and women's ministries, a great, a great opportunity coming up that God is going to impact our ladies, our women, our moms, our single ladies. God's going to do an powerful thing. We had our men's breakfast on Thursday at the family table, walking out of the, 
walking out of the family table, and there's the poster. That somebody had to take the investment and put it on the board. And it's there to be a witness. Lives are being changed because of our online presence. And because of our online presence and because of our desire to reach those that are outside of the walls of our church, we were able to, to God began to impress on us to start a satellite campus in Creston. And God is still working in there and preparing for that and, and, and doing great things with that. And even though it's not, you know, it's not exploding into, into great numbers yet, God's doing a work. And we're seeing God do some incredible things in our team ministries, in our serve ministries, in our connect ministries, in our prayer team ministries, in our, in our cleaning ministries. And you can go down through the list. And if you haven't yet signed up for a, a, a serve team, man, I encourage you to. Because lives will be changed. All I do is clean. All I do is clean. You know how important it is for a guest to come into a church and see that the people that go to church there consider that mats that are out there to be clean, that the floor to be clean, rather than to come in and say, nah, I don't have time to do that. And yet when we walk into a, rest, a restaurant and we see a go into the bathroom and the bathroom isn't clean the way that we think it should be, what's our first thoughts? Right? Why is God's house any different? Lives have been changed. We see lives change as people are going through growth track. Growth track is coming up this coming, uh, in the first Sunday in February. I think we have 10 people signed up so far. Lives being changed. And we rejoice for what God has done as, as lives are being changed every Sunday in the chairs that you're sitting in. Yes, believe it or not, there are people that sit in those chairs in the other services. I know, it's hard. It's your chair. But God has a plan. And maybe you're living off the anointing of someone else that's been praying for that chair. Amen? Isn't that nice? Man, I have a praying mom. It is awesome. That you got a mom that's willing to pray for their kids. That's where we're at. But listen, God's not done. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, Now to him who is able to do an immeasurable more than I ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. God's not done. God wants to do more. And so that leads us to our second point this morning. It says unity ignites momentum. Unity ignites momentum. And so I want you to watch this video. You know, we all have individuals that, that we know, yeah, I guess I'll do it too, right? You're asking for help, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll do it too. But again, it goes back to that momentum part, right? It goes back to that contagious part. Each one of us are different, and sometimes you have to pull people in. And we see in that, that clip, Mr. Cruz, the young man that, was, that didn't make the team, Fell short of making the team by himself, but together they were, over to, they were able to overcome. 
We are a team. If one person struggles, we all struggle. If one person triumphs, we all triumphs. This unity, this brotherly love, this teamwork will ignite momentum in our lives and in our church because we're doing things together. And it's exciting to know that as we have unity, when we're able to do things together, Scripture tells us where two or three are gathered, that He will be in the midst. There's power in numbers. And even though we may have different opinions, even though we may have different desires, even though we, we may want to pursue something a little bit different, when we come together and have unity, we can be a conqueror. And so what goals are you working on individually or together in your marriages? What are you working together to have unity? What are you doing to, 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 to allow your marriage to blossom and to be enriched and to have hope? What are you doing? What are you doing as a, as a single individual to allow yourself to see the depth and the purpose of life and to be an impact and to have impact? What goals are you working on in your financial responsibilities? Are you getting your, your debt down? So that your debt can begin to have a snowball effect that can begin to have momentum. Financial Peace University. But what goals are we looking for? What are we working on? In the last half of Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And the key word here that he uses is press on. Press on being a better parent. Press on being a better friend. Press on by staying the course. Don't lose sight of where you're going and where God's, where God's directing you. Press on. But Paul, before his conversion, was known as Saul. And he was pressing on by being a terrorist. He was pressing on by, by being a murderer against the movement of God. And he persecuted the movement of God. He aggressively went after God's people to stop them. But Jesus intercepted he intercepted Paul's life in the middle of what many people thought was impossible. Impossible. And we see, and we seen a, a, an immediate change in Scripture in Paul's life. And Paul went from pressing against this movement to pressing into the movement. He went from pressing against the movement, saying that everything was bad, everything was wrong, to pressing into it. To being a difference maker. And that's what happens when you accept Jesus Christ in your personal life. When God does the miracle, does the miraculous in your life. Forgives you of your sins. Lifts the burden off and brings peace and joy in. 
And I'm sure I would attest that it wasn't probably easy for Paul. Just like it's not easiest for us because there's still struggles. But if you would, on the, on the side notes of your, of your sheet, if in your notes, you write down a few key words on how you have changed after Jesus intercepted your life. What are some key words in your life when you accepted Jesus Christ that you have done, that you could put down on that piece of paper, that you could hand that to your kids one day and say, this is how Jesus changed my life. We see that Paul says the thing that motivates me is that I may hold, I may lay hold of Christ so that he may lay hold of me for everything he had in my mind when he saved me. You see, the reason, one of the reasons why Paul was, was laying hold of, one of the things that God, that God was doing in Paul was the reason why Paul wanted to continue, was the reason why Paul wasn't satisfied to stay where he was. He wasn't satisfied just to, okay, I'm here. Because he knew that there was more that God had for him and he wanted to find what that was. And he wanted to pursue God. And so many times, we're content with where we're at. In Growth Track, we talk about how you are uniquely wired, uniquely wired. On the day that you were born, the day that you were created, you were uniquely wired. And God has a plan. And God has a purpose. And if we just stop pursuing God just because we got to a certain point, and we say, well, that's all I need to have. When God still has a, a treasure chest of things that he wants you to accomplish as you pursue him. Isn't that awesome? That's what Paul said. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to continue to push because there's more that God has for me. And I want to know what it is. Right? Everything he had in mind when he saved me, I want to find what that is. <laughs> in Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. <clears throat> Blessed are those who are hungry <clears throat> and are thirsty. Paul had a hunger to know God. And a hunger to make God known. <clears throat> so I want to say that again. Paul had a hunger to know God. Right? Paul had a hunger. But he also had a hunger to make God known. And so it wasn't just that he received what God had. He wanted people to know who God was. And that's part of our relationship, right? That's, that's the way things work. I have a child. And when I had my kids, I wanted other people to know that I had some kids, right? Yeah. Man, did we not have just some awesome, awesome uh, Connect Team guys at the, at the doorway this morning? Were they not awesome? Did you guys go through that? Yeah, I mean, we, it was awesome. Blinking shoes, it was awesome. Love it. Paul had a hunger to know God, but he also had a hunger to make God known. How do you hunger 
for God. For some of you, it might be sticky notes on a refrigerator. When you get hungry, on a sticky note is a scripture verse. You get out that bologna sandwich, get out that piece of bread with mayonnaise and mustard. Mmm. Gotta love it. Back in the day, you didn't have anything else but mayonnaise and mustard. Man, that was good stuff. Or butter and ketchup on wheat bread. Good stuff. But you also are hungering for God's word, and so you put sticky notes on the door. For others of you, it might be sacrificing things that you do. One of the clear indicators that something is wrong physically is when we lose our appetite. And it's the same true spiritually. To hunger and thirst for God is the very root of our being. It is the way God made us. And when there's no hunger for the presence of God, it is an indicator that something is wrong in us spiritually. And because that hunger is so basic to human nature, it often finds fulfillment in other, er in other areas rather than seeking God. And so in that moment, it's a gut check in our life this morning. Am I hungry for God? Am I hungry for God? Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward, straining toward what, it, what lies ahead. There's another major action step here that we need to be called out or called to, the, to our knees before God. We need to be called to our knees as God moves in our life. This week is our week of prayer for our church. Many churches across the nation use the first week of January. Many use the third week in January. We're using this week in January. The only thing that's specific about this week is that you have the opportunity to pray in a community of believers that God is going to do a, miracle, a miraculous thing. Amen? That's what it's about. That you're believing together that God's going to work in our nation. You're going to believe together that God's going to impact our ministries of our church. You're going to believe together that God is going to do great things in our community. From today through next Saturday. And each one of you should have gotten the insert of that. But you are doing that together. We are called to our knees before God to pray. Because we can't take this haphazard kind of mentality of believing that, well, I'm just going to come in the doors, punch my clock, and walk out. And that we have no responsibility in what God is doing. There are people who don't know Jesus Christ in our city and in our area, and we're going to do whatever it takes, do whatever it takes to build a relationship for, for God to be able to be in their lives. And we need to long for a movement of God. We need to long for a fresh movement of God in our community, and in our lives. So the thing that we need to understand is, let's not just do church, but let's be the church. Let's be the church that has an impact. Let's be a church that is loving and kind and compassionate. Let's be the church, not just do church. Let's not just be a machine so that you can be called to be a server and you're there. Yep, it's my time. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be there because it's my time. Then we never see you ever again until it's your time again. Because it's just a machine. 
When it becomes a movement, you're here because you want to be impactful. You want to build a community of believers so that you can be encouraged and you can be held accountable to your actions and to your, to your situation. Let's not just do church, but let's be the church. Let's go out and be all that God has called us to be, and that's Paul's mentality. Forgetting what is behind and strain toward what is ahead. There is great things out there. Let's strain towards ahead. What's ahead? I love that Paul says, I'm forgetting what's behind because Paul's not hobbled by the fact that he doesn't measure up. He is driven by it. He has passion by it. Vince Lombardi, one of the greatest coaches of all time, has said, point number three, perfection is not attainable. But if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. So let's say that, that one more time. Everybody say perfection. Perfection. Perfection is not attainable. We understand that and we see that in Scripture. Perfection is not attainable. But what is, is the, the fact that we chase perfection. That we desire to be perfected. And because we desire to chase perfection, we can begin to catch excellence and doing an excellent job. As a coach, one of the things is that you push your athletes is to do the best that they can, that you want them to excel in, in excellence. Understanding that they will fail, understanding that they're not going to, to, to be able to uh, gain every ounce of knowledge that you're asking them to do or every lift that they need to do. But you want them to catch excellence. And this embodies what Paul is saying. We will press on to know Jesus. We will run the race to know him. And we will set our sights upon him. That we may catch the excellence that God has for us. We will never reach perfection on this side of eternity. Though we will be perfected in Christ. And along the way we will achieve excellence as followers in Christ. That leads us to point number four. When we lose our focus, when we lose our focus is when we begin to relish on our past regrets. When we lose our focus is when we begin to relish in our past regrets and we lose focus of what God is doing right in front of us. Some of you here this morning you're keenly aware of the things that you've done this past year, and you don't need anybody to convince you that you're messing things up. You drink too much, you spend too much, you're lazy, you got, ang you got angry issues, or whatever it may be. You know what you're guilty of. Or you may be here this morning, and this last year was a year that you botched it up, and you don't know what to do. Others of you, this was a year that the bomb went off in your life. Maybe something happened that you never anticipated happening, and because of that, your life has been turned upside down. And maybe it has caused you to feel like you're a failure. But it's in moments that we feel like God has disappointed us that we are defined by our failures or our failures of others. And we are putting more faith in our failure than we are in the finished work of Jesus Christ. When we begin to say that we can't do something because of our past, because of our past failures, we lose sight 
of the finished work of Jesus Christ and what he wants to do in your life. But you see, we can also relish in our past wins. I've heard people talk, man, you know what God did for me 30 years ago? It was awesome. God did this for me two years ago. It was awesome. This is what God did for me last year. But I haven't heard anything about what God's done in your life this past year. We can relish in our past wins, but we need to praise God for his work in the past, but we need to be able to look forward to the future. When we relish in our past regrets, it inhibits us from becoming all that God has called us to become and running the race that God has called us to run. Don't allow past regrets to keep you from what God is calling you to be. In Psalms 103, 12, it says, Be something we hold on to. As far as it is from the east from the west, so far as he has removed our transgressions from us. When you walk out these doors this morning, you can look to the east and you can look to the west. And you will see no sign of your sin. Because God has forgiven you if you've asked him. Is that powerful? That is awesome. In 1 Timothy 1, 5 Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. That's speaking of Paul. Paul says, I am the worst sinner that there is. And yet he accomplished so much. I've heard this, I've heard this quote and wanted to share it this morning. It says, I remember what I did in order to celebrate the death of my salvation. I remember what I did in order to celebrate the death of my salvation. So, so the only business you have in recalling your past is so that you can praise God in His grace. Praise God in His grace. So we have to quit living in close proximity with our sin and cherish the grace of God. Leads us to point number five. Our spiritual condition is one of progress, not perfection. This past year may be rough, but we can praise God that there is new beginnings. The Bible consistently packages repentance as a turning from sin and turning to Him. The Bible consistently does that. It says that it's not just that you accept Jesus and that He forgives you of your sins and then you leave it where it's at, but it says that you now have to turn to Him. And begin to walk with him and begin to be with him and begin to have that relationship with him. The power of repentance is what is not what you forget, or for, is not what you forget, but who you reach forward to. We have been praying at Central that we would be a beacon of hope for people who have lost that hope. And that they could come here and find what they're looking for. And that we'd be, and we're praying that Jesus would be able to intersect people's lives before the sermon is ever preached. And so progress is not perfection. Some of you here this morning, you've been trying to clean up on the outside far too long. You think you can do it on your own strength. But today is the day that you allow God to be in your life, to help you through that. Others of you have come 
here, but you haven't really got involved. If you're here today, maybe you've been checking Central out for a while. It's time to take your next step. Are you in a community? If you're not in a community, go to the welcome desk, and we'll share with you what community is all about and how you can be a part of what God's doing here. Have you been discipled? Do you have somebody to show you the ropes? Like what it means to follow Jesus and understand the Holy Spirit and to read the Word and to get the Word. Do you have somebody that has shown you how to follow Jesus? If not, stop at the welcome desk and sign up for growth track. Come up to the front at the end. We'll have our prayer team up here and we want to pray with you to help you in that process. Some of you need to get involved in serving and be part of this ministry because all of us here this morning are ministers at Central Go to the welcome desk. We would love to figure out how we can help you shape your ministry. We long to see you take your next step and get involved in the lifeblood of our church. Paul said, I forget those things that are behind me, and I press on to what is ahead. And I press on. If God is inspiring you, if God is inspiring you, know that this, that this very inspiration has an expiration. Know that every inspiration has an expiration. So act today. Set some things in motion that you need to set in motion so that you can become the man or woman that God has created you to become today. And Paul finishes here in, in verse 14. Press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called you heavenward in Jesus Christ. Number six, I want you to have a finishing mentality. In Christianity, if Christianity was a race, the ones who win are not the best or the ones that finish first. The ones who win in Christianity are the ones that always finish. We have to have a finishing mentality because Christianity is not a solo sport. And so in Hebrews 10, 24, it says, we are called to spur one another on to love and good works. We can't do life alone. And we don't run this race alone. And so we have to have many people who, have, there have been many people that have been derailed because they haven't followed Paul's example. And so I ask you the question, where are the finishers? Who are those who will run with reckless abandon? Where is the stamina and perseverance in our generation to run and finish the race that God has called us to? Where are you at? Where's the Paul's? And so with that, we know that God has a plan and a purpose in our lives today. And we're excited about that. And so let's pray. Jesus, I pray for every person in this place today that you would make, that we would make the decision, that we would choose to press on to the mission that we would go to the distance and walk in our God-given destination. That today some would be the day of salvation. No more going through the motions of just religion. No more just going through the motions of Sunday church. But we would step into redemption. No more trying to appease God, but have peace with God through the Son 
God, you are an awesome God. And we thank you for what you're doing. And we give you glory and praise because of that. So if each of you would stand this this morning. I'm going to ask you if you go ahead and stand. As we leave today, there's decisions that have to be made. We are making a personal decision right now about this year. There are next steps in all of our lives. Every one of us have next steps. And there's a journey that God wants to take each of us on. For some of us, the next step is to exercise understanding who Jesus is for the very first time. And that's why our prayer team will be up here for you. For others, it's baptism. For others, it's not to hold back afar off and just be a spectator, but to draw near and to be a participating, to be a participator and serving or giving or sharing. And so what I'm going to ask of you is a decision. I'm raising my hand because raising your hand is the universal standard of surrender. And if you're serious about this year, about being a difference maker, if you're serious about allowing God to work in your life, then I want you to raise your hands with me. And we're going to close in prayer. But this is between you and the Lord. Because if we're serious about allowing momentum to be contagious, if we're serious about what God's doing in our life, raise our hands and we surrender to our Heavenly Father. If that's you this morning, let's raise our hands and begin to surrender as we close in prayer with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. God, we surrender to you. God, our hands are in the air saying, Lord, we surrender. Lord, we have years that we have walked with you. We have those in this room that may have been months that we have walked with you. But God, there is still so much more that you want us to do. And Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you would grow our faith, that God, that you would take us farther than we've ever been to a land that we have never seen, to risk all that we have and that all that we might be, God. Jesus, our hands are in the air because we are we want to consecrate more than committed whereas surrender is a place of submission. God, we want to submit to you. God, give us the faith to take our next steps, to make the hard decisions so that we do not stand afar off because of fear but God, help us to draw to you that this year will be a powerful and awesome experience and a powerful and awesome opportunity to see you do great things in our life. For you, an awesome God, Lord, we give you glory and we give you praise. Hallelujah. Man, we, we love you guys. I pray that God blesses you this week. If you need prayer as you leave today, please come forward. We're going to have some of our prayer team up here and we just want to pray for you.
But have an awesome week. Enjoy the cold weather. Share somebody. Invite somebody to Friday for the women's event. And that God is good. Amen.